Oh. It can't play Breath of the Wild, but have Not you... yet. Have you seen the attachments <laughs> on that? Oh my god, no. Wait, wait, hold up. If you were to get a KitchenAid, would you make bread? Would you bread hook? Absolutely, yeah. I would bread hook. Okay. No, I okay. love... Okay, bread, gonna, gonna make royal icing, gonna make my we're gonna, we're gonna whip well, all the things that we have. I'm gonna make so much aioli. Gonna whip everything. No, that I want that more than I want Sauces. If I'm being 100% serious. Honestly, if I don't get anything else from this, I want the KitchenAid. Welcome to Home Viewing. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing. Great job, <laughs> Double intro right there. Do you want me to introduce the podcast? Yes, tell us about the podcast. This is a podcast where we go through our entire movie library from A to Z. And occasionally we have... Guests! Guest episodes! Guest pers- You're really trying to make that happen. Yeah, I'm trying you? to make it happen. Okay, today we have our friend Gisela. Hi! Gisela is a friend of ours. That most you're gonna find this about most of our guests is that they are friends that we know and that are local to Atlanta. I mean, you gotta have the hundredth episode special where it's like your darkest enemies. Oh my gosh! So you're gonna have Ariana Grande on, right, babe? <laughs> I hope there are some of our listeners listening right now for that one. But yeah, anyway, let's let's talk about the movie that we watched. Okay. Um. Today we watched. One of my favorite movies of last year, if not in my top five, definitely in my top Wasn't ten. Wasn't it 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. I mean, it's 2017. I did all my research, obviously. This came out last summer. I think uh, sometime in June? 2017, the year of movies. Yeah, it was a lot of great movies. Well, that's when we really got into going to see movies in the theater, I think. Mm. When you and I really mm. more into it. I was going to say, the past six years, I feel like we've been going to the movies. <laughs> at least semi-regularly. Yes, but this is the one where we actually were paying attention to the trades and stuff like that and keeping track of movies that were coming out. Kind of. I guess what? Sure, I guess. I mean, this is one that I was excited for the entire time, though, just because I... It's uh, by Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily V. Gordon, and it's based on their actual, like, meet-cute and life story. Meet-cute? You're not familiar with the term meet-cute? Is it, like, cute meets? Like... No, no. It's like in rom coms where you like meet someone and it's like overly like I own a cupcake store and he's the lawyer trying to take my cupcake store, but we fall in love. It's like that sort of thing. Yeah, huh. or like she heckled me at a comedy show by yelling when she asked if Pakistan yeah, was yeah, in the house. Yeah, yeah, that was for our listeners. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. for your for our Thanks, listeners. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> I want to see this movie a lot because I've liked Kumail Nanjiani since his first stand up album, which. Oh man, I'm a big fan too. Very good stand up album. It's called Beta Male, and it's. It's fantastic. It's just absolutely just hilarious. Just pause this episode, go listen to that, and then come back. Yeah, it will give you a lot of context. One thing that he does in that stand-up album is at one point he does ask if Pakistan is in the house. And someone does yell, and Pakistan is actually in the house for that specific comedy special. In this movie, Kumail Nanjiani is playing a fictionalized version of himself. and uh, Kumail Kanjiani. What? I was, you know, like when you do fictional versions of yourself, you like reverse your names. So, Humal Kanjiani? So, I don't know. Whatever I said. It was supposed to be funny, but you didn't go with it. <laughs> no, he plays himself. His real name. Yeah, he plays Kumal Nanjiani. He plays Kumal Nanjiani. And uh, Zoe Kazan plays Emily Gardner, who is a fictionalized ger- version of his wife, Emily V. Gordon. Now, we had all this context. G- Gisela, did you have any of this context going in? Yeah, 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 yeah for okay. sure. 
Uh, I really like Kumail. Uh, his wife, Emily, told Dan Harmon to start doing the Harmontown podcast, which I listened to a lot of a couple years back, and Kumail was a regular and played uh, D&D with them. So that makes sense. He would like talk about, and I was listening from the start. I never got caught up with Harmontown, but I was listening, and he would just be like talking about the process of making the big sick and how like excited he was. Oh! Yeah, it was it was real cool. So yeah, I had like a little bit of background, but have uh, you seen the big sick before? No, this oh. is my first time viewing it. What? Nice. That's Saved cool. it for you guys. Oh, so that means oh. you got some fun facts, right? Got <laughs> <laughs> all of those Pakistan fun facts. <laughs> oh god, no, this is bad. Back when I was trying to do stand up, I wanted to do a joke. Wait, about what? It. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Dark secrets Boy, were was real. That a time. Oh. That was a time. That was a time. But there was a joke that I had written about being of Colombian descent. And one of the jokes was literally the top three imports from Colombia. <laughs> Which is one of the... Flowers? Flowers. Coffee. Banana- oh. I think it was coffee. coffee. And cooking. Coffee, emeralds. And- oh, emeralds. Whoops. I think the last joke... I think it was three C's. It was three C's. It was coffee... coffee. I don't know what the second C was. And the third C was cut flowers, but the joke was going to be that everyone was going to think it was cocaine. You did a real good. Good job. I did a did a great job. It was not well constructed. Mm-hmm. It was fine. I, I just remember, actually, you were asking me to, like, tape you do it, and I was just sitting here like, you go, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very glad that part of my life is over. But so it was relatable when um When he did the one-man <laughs> show about Pakistan. <laughs> and everyone's just like, um, great. <laughs> Listen, if you get a silly mid-on, that's when things get wild. A what? The, the cricket scene. Silly. Silly mid-on. Cool. Okay, so you so you had a lot of context going in. You probably know more about Emily V. Gordon than I knew about Emily V. Gordon. I mean, like, I know she's a therapist. She she didn't really... Uh, she was more backstage, I think. Okay. For Hermantown, so... Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I know a little bit about it because, you know, I listened to some of the Fresh Air interviews when they were coming out because I used to always come home when Fresh Air was on TV. So I would... Not on TV. <laughs> I was going to say, wow, how did you get Fisher on TV? Yeah, no, Terry Gross, like, does a single cast. Is it also, like, um, like, you get the smell of, like, pines in in the living room, too? It's, like, a, all, like, a 4D experience? It's a 4D fresh air experience. Fresh air. Cario freshener changes every week. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I guess I'm trying to do stand-up during this episode. (laughs) All right, well, let's talk about the movie. You're doing observational stuff. It's time for what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. So here's what I liked. It kind of marketed itself as a rom-com when it was coming out. I remember, like, a lot of the promotional material Mm -hmm, was very mm -hmm. rom-com focused. And while it does, like, play with those rom-com tropes. It's deeper than that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It goes beyond, like, the normal rom-com stuff. I actually noticed that there was some, like... I will say this is more of, like, a screenwriter's movie than a director's movie, which makes sense because it was, um... Written by Kamal and Emily, and it was a lot about the script around it, and uh, there weren't any like transcendent shots. I would say it wasn't it wasn't a super visually focused movie. Um, I well, I would say that it's kind of hidden. Like you can tell the people who make movies made this movie, if that makes sense. Because there was one shot of him coming like down the hallway in the hospital that I was like, oh, this is like film stuff. The the they did the thing where she was lying down and they were wheeling her to put her into the coma. Mm-hmm. Oh that was yeah, like that very mm-hmm. like okay. the lighting yeah. specific. Mm-hmm. I think well, one of my favorite things though is that they played with a lot of like very romantic comedy specific shots sometimes. Um, something that uh, like when he first of all when he's like kneeling down to like give it 
with his bag of devotion and stuff like that. But yeah. one of my favorite scenes is, you know, there's there's this thing in rom-coms where, you know, you have the girl who's, like, leaning against the hallway and, like, looking half out at the guy. Mm-hmm. And there, they did have that shot in there, but it wasn't actually Emily. It was her mom. It was Holly Hunter looking at Kumail like, listen, I hope I do see you again someday. It was... And it, was, it wasn't about the romantic relationship at all there. It was just about the sort of friendship that he's formed with her parents. And I that's something I liked about it too. It was a romantic comedy that didn't focus exclusively on the romantic relationship. Yeah, there's, there's, there's like multiple levels of like love and like familiar relationships in there. Because it was not, it was like him and his family. They have kind of like a tension, but they really love each other. And then there's like her and her family where they're just like everything's everything goes pretty much. And then him and her where they're like kind of like teetering this like new relationship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to negotiate his relationship with her family who only know about him as the shitty boyfriend that she just broke up with. Which, oh, listen, I would be very scared if if Holly Hunter were angry at me. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I've I've seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou. She's in that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. She, uh, she plays... It's probably been six years since that one. Yeah, she plays the the wife that Ulysses Everett McGill wants to get married to mm-hmm. again after he uh, escapes from prison. Yeah, she, She's a queen. She is a queen. She's very good. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's what worked for me is, you know, the engaging with, like, the rom-com tropes and playing with them and, like, looking at it on, on multiple levels. What worked for you? Well, I kind of talked about it. You talked about it? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Maria come up with something unique. I can um, go if you want. Yeah, to yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, that's how I guess that. Um, yeah, I really liked that there were, like, sort of three, maybe three and a half if you want to include the friendship, but, like, three <laughs> set dynamics that he was dealing with. He's dealing with his relationship, and in the beginning you kind of see, like, all right, like, this is, like, sort of what he does with girls. He, like, writes their name and, like, mm-hmm. tries to, like, make the whole, like play style mm-hmm. get together and like you see towards the like when, last when he's part, broken up with he's, Emily like, yeah. yeah where he's like trying to get that all again so like that sort of like who he is in a relationship type person you have him with his family and then you have him with her family mm-hmm. and just the two families and how they're both so like completely authentic and just seeing what they want for their children and like it's so clearly expressed mm-hmm. when Kumail's parents are telling him, like, this is this is what we've done for you, and so you need to give back to us, versus her parents saying, we're going to always be responsible for her and just trying to, like, take care of her and staying with her. And, mm-hmm. like, such, like, tight families for both of them, but just, like, the different perspectives. I really enjoyed how real that felt. Uh, yeah. Well, I think what really made it real, too, is because they didn't just go, like, oh, here's the... Pakistani family that's trying to force it into the tradition. Here's the ideal American family who married for love. It's like, no. It's like, no, everybody's got problems and everybody's got different motivations for why they got together. And you, you're you hearing all these different stories. Oh, it's, oh, it's just telling stories about, like, different members of the family and, like, hearing about anecdotes and things like that. That resonated for me a lot when I saw this movie the first time. It still resonates for me here because, you know... It reminds me about what it's like living as a second-generation immigrant, you know? Like, li- having parents from another culture. And, you know, only one of my parents was raised in another country, but both of my parents are still, you know, from immigrant families. And it's very... there's just There was just something about that, that tension between wanting to grow up American and wanting to have the American dream for the kids, but still 
not letting them lose their attachment to the culture. And I think what was interesting is that Kumail is very clearly still attached to his culture. And you see that when he's doing like his initial one-man show and like how important it is to him. But he, there are certain things that he's very right to discard, specifically the strict adherence to arranged marriage and strict adherence to mm-hmm. Islam. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, that related to me on some level too, because, you know, I've, I'm still Catholic-ish, I think, of myself like that anyway, but it's not necessarily that simple. Like, it's, it's not that simple. It's like, I want to do what my parents wanted to do, uh, want me to do in a way but at the same time I still want to be my own person and that is kind of a tension for a lot of immigrant communities in America I think the most poignant scene for me is when he's with his parents in his apartment and he makes the point he's like how do you want me to come to America and not be American but then his dad comes back and he's like you can't just think about the American dream as doing whatever you want for yourself mm-hmm. you have to think about how it affects everybody else and I I, don't, I think that just makes a good statement about what it is that immigrants and immigrant cultures actually bring to America. Um, this is an emotional movie for me. This is a lot for me. I, I mean, a lot of what I write about and wrote about when I was in academia was specifically immigrant stories in film and on TV and in books and things like that. So it's just, yeah. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because it let me... Yeah, because the set Because <laughs> the different dynamics between different American families... Oh, that... That was so good. So good. It's good stuff. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, it's a loose tie, but, you know, what do you think reminded me of, like, my grandmother in this movie? I'm not sure. When they bring him the food, when he's going to go to New York, and they bring him that container of food, how many times, like, I literally, every time I leave home, have been loaded down with some junk, even if it's not home-cooked, or from, like... Like, my grandmother always has to send me off with food. With a bunch of Austrian sweets. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, sometimes they're not even that. They're just, like, Italy or, like, Germany. She's just like, listen, I like, got these sweets. I found them for you. I want you to have them. No, no, no. Do the voice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Bethany, I went to the Lidl and they had these lovely candies. Oh, they had these chocolates, but I have so many of them. I can't eat all of them. You should have these. They were so cheap at the Lidl. Beautiful. Is that... At first, when he started doing that, I never believed him. I was like, no, it doesn't sound like that. She sounds like a normal person. Well, I mean, but then you did... But... Okay, okay. You, you see, don't now... hear your mom's accent either. Exactly. You have to do my mom's voice now. Oh, I know. No, see, I don't... See, your mom may potentially one day listen to this podcast. My grandmother, <laughs> no way. She didn't know technology. I think we need to get sound bites just so the audience can can hear and decide for themselves. Let me see. Oh, it's, I don't have any recording. It's... Sem- it's uh, it's one fifty in Spain, so I can't call mom right now. Since you're second gen, I guess like I'm thirdish gen. Mm-hmm. I guess you count that. But you it's count just that. like, but it's yeah, it's like different expectations from like people. You know, like it's kind of my grandmother kind of did opposite of what his family did. They kind of came here, but they you know really kept their tradition alive. Where when she came here, it was like let's assimilate, like almost completely. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's interesting to see that huge contrast. But at the same time, we're not like. Emily's family, like my, the rest of my family isn't like that. We're not like, oh, we're one cute little family that always sticks together kind of thing. Well, to be fair, they don't always stick together. They want to support Emily, but they're not necessarily ready to support each other, at least at the beginning of yeah, the Yeah, this is definitely interesting. It definitely has you like examine your own life. 
mm-hmm. family dynamics and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Like, I, I am not, I think I'm like a 12th generation. Like, I know that we have like the record <laughs> books of like my 12th great grandfather coming over as like the pastor on the Mayflower. And like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm like old school. You're like American. OG America. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't, I mean, I'm not like old school America. I'm not mm-hmm. like a Native American. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. But. <laughs> Like, I mean, my mother, my mother lived in the Caribbean for a while. She grew up there. So, like, I grew up with those yeah. stories. But those aren't my cool. stories still. Right. But, I mean, yeah, they're really, really interesting. But I, I didn't relate to Emily's family. I've never had that, like, bubble thing. And even though her family is, like, has those broken pieces with her parents. Like, I think the moment where her parents came together, that oh. I felt really hard. Because oh, there yeah. are... Like, definitely times with my parents where my mom will call me and she'll be like, Dad won't watch the news with me. He's not watching. And, like, it's just such such a thing. And, like, I mean, my parents haven't ever done anything, like, like big, like the, the cheating that mm-hmm. Ray Romano's character was talking to Kamail about. But just, like, those little things and then that coming together moment was... Like, especially, like, when, when it's talking about, it's like, a, you're a coward. It's like, oh, so it's the greatest hits. Do you want me to recite it for you? It's like that sort of, like repetitious fighting thing also can i just say holly hunter and ray romano are so good in that this. was so well cast oh that was so well cast i think that's my favorite casting of the movie i, I gotta i gotta say i love bill burnham i love oh, him in his role yes uh it's it's funny because like he does do stand-up too and his stand-up is absolutely like that like the like the mm-hmm. you're cosmically overreacting joke that felt like it was lifted I, right I out think of that his was specials from his specials. Yeah. <laughs> I liked A.D. Bryan a lot, too, in that. I just, I love A.D. Bryan. She's yeah. just, like, so, like, genuinely, like, trying to make it laugh and be a fun person. Exactly. And, just, and what, I I liked, what I liked about this, though, is that, like, even if, like, Bo Burnham's character was still a little Bo Burnham-ish, I feel like A.D. Bryan's character wasn't, like, outwardly directly A.D. Bryan either. Like, they're still, they still have their comedian personas, but they were still, like, not leaning too heavily on that. Unlike, you know, some other true-life comedian movies I've seen. Not to, not to, you know... Shame, Mike Birbiglia or anything. <laughs> I liked I liked Sleepwalk with Me a lot. I thought it was a funny movie, but you know all the comedians there were just you know there as themselves, essentially just hanging out. And I I don't know I liked it. I mean the casting worked, the script worked, the script was very good. I think. What was y'all's favorite joke? Let me just take on my clipboard and see all the jokes <laughs> that I wrote down. I think I, I love four slices of cheese on a cheeseburger. Oh no, that when he goes crazy on the guy and then. I feel like that. I feel like I make requests kind of like that in my head when I'm at the drive-through. You've experienced this where I'm like, "Can I just have like the chicken sandwich and the cheeseburger like smashed together?" And like, like, no, that's not possible. Okay, I'll have nothing. At which point, I order them for you and just make that for you. My my standard is always, "Can I get a plain cheeseburger, no meat?" And because I just want a grilled cheese sandwich. (laughs) Anytime I go to McDonald's. Just a grilled cheese sandwich. And it, it's always, like, a three-step process. No, so, I mean, yeah, like, no, no, I, people I, no, are I, so I, nice I like, about it, too. I, I could, like, fully expect just the confusion at first, though. I, I totally feel you. I could, oh. Having worked in fast food, <laughs> I'm just... They'll be like, huh? Is there anything that really didn't work for you in this movie? Yeah, I guess the parents were a little too cookie-cutter, like, in the writing. But some people... But I've experienced this, and some people's families are just like that. It's weird. It like, is weird. They're like, we're all together. We love each other. I'm like, can you just like hate each other? A well, see, bit? I think they don't love each other at the beginning of it. What? They they, they love their daughter. They presented like a huge force at the beginning, though. Like you, like they had that. They just their like great acting chemistry, but it, they did it have really felt good like chemistry. like you didn't think anything was anything was wrong until he was like, oh yeah, cheated on her, and you're like, what? Like, 
I feel like I feel like they did a really good job of playing that tension because like like when he's talking, that's that's an old wound and mm-hmm. he still feels bad about that. Yeah. So just imagining the guilt that he felt when it was fresh that mm-hmm. he So I think there's been that tension for a while and I think they were trying to show that this isn't something that's like active and in his face. Exactly. Okay. Oh, I thought well, I mean, that just brings up the uh, sleepover scene with Kumail, where, where the, he's just, like, getting open and honest, and that that actually kind of reminds me of, like, high school a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What, oh, like, like, trundle bed sleepover type thing? Oh, my God, like, yeah. Pillow talking at Alex? Do you ever think about death, man? <laughs> <laughs> or, like, or like when, when you used to, like, have people over and, like, have a bonfire and just, like, talk about real what? shit at a patio table in the middle of the night. Wow. You were so cool in high school. I... I was, like, in my room, like, on MySpace or Facebook, and just, like, you know, living my life. You were never that 16-year-old that thought you were, like, deeper than everyone else? And, like, man, what if everyone else is just a robot, and you're the only one with real thoughts, and this life is just a test? You never I know, know for I a fact that you had... Listen, I know for a fact that you kind of had thoughts like that, though, that you were, like, I've got better taste than everyone else, and oh, stuff like that. <laughs> you still do. You still do. But, like, I don't have any, like, severe problems with this movie. I mean, even the parts where you you get a little bit worried that it's kind of a caricature of, like, the arranged marriage process or something like that. You have, you know, that moment where Khadija, played by the girl from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Bella Lavelle. Yes! She is... She's so funny in, like, whatever she does, I think. And she's a very good actress. She's really good. It was so... Because I think... I think I've seen her in a third thing besides Crazy X and besides this, but I can't think of it right now. And she's just playing drastically different characters. Mm-hmm. She's got great range. Absolutely. like, And she's got kind of like the face and presence to be a lead, but she's also very good at like character acting kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of wish that she hadn't been doing the accent because, I don't know, that just always kind of like strikes me. Mm-hmm. Weird. Like, is that a thing that you as an actor decided, like, this is going to help my performance, this is going to make my character more realistic, or is that a thing where somebody's saying, like, hey, you need to like, yeah. be doing this? Mm-hmm. So. I thought, though, that it was effective because it was like, hey, arranged marriage can work and does work. Because I, I remember a lot of criticism came out that was like, uh, Kumail, Kumail Nanjani just didn't want to date Pakistani girls. I was like, I didn't get the idea that he didn't want to date Pakistani women. I just got the idea that he didn't want to be in a setup or arranged marriage well, kind of situation. I can kind of get that one because when he opens the box, he's got a lot of pictures in there. And it seems like he didn't want to give it a go from like the beginning almost like it was like oh this is a thing but understandably so because it's like people your parents are forcing on you like would you really want to date them anyway mm-hmm. it felt to me like it was more of a struggle with him wanting to like forge his own path like when he was talking about his religion not that he's not muslim but that he doesn't want to just be muslim for the sake of being he wants to like figure out what he mm-hmm. believes he mm-hmm. wants to figure out like what sorts of women he's interested in and compatible with and that's like a personal journey for him i gotta say if there's if there's one thing that like kind of got to me in the didn't like section mm-hmm. at the beginning right before the coma like either at the big fight or a little bit before that i just I wasn't feeling Emily's character. I just felt that it was a little bit like... I don't, I don't want to say forced, because it wasn't like forced. It just felt like like some of the stuff wasn't like hitting me as like super real. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because I've seen... Zoe? Zoe? Zoe Kazan? Okay, Zoe. Yeah. I've seen her in so many rom-coms. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you I've, haven't? I, 
I haven't seen her in that many rom-coms. I, I think I actually haven't seen her in that many movies, and most of what I've seen. I saw her in that one Sandra Bullock, Billy Bob Thornton, Latin American election movie. I have not... I have no idea what you're talking about. It, it's, it's a movie that's actually based on a documentary about um, James Carville and other... The people. ice cream guy? No, 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 not Carvel. <laughs> <laughs> no, James Carville, the... The Cajun Democratic political consultant who's married to... <laughs> that went right over my head, <laughs> Married to Mary Madeline. He had a really good guest spot on 30 Rock where he just showed up and he's like, listen, let me show you how we do it. Cajun style. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any of these movies that she's been in. I saw the one that she was in with Paul Dano. Oh, she where, was in with Paul Dano. Yeah, it, the premise of it uh, was essentially he's a writer and he like just starts like writing up a girlfriend and then she comes in and everything that he writes about her becomes true so if he goes back to the typewriter and types she knows french that's she'll be familiar though in french it was a really creative premise which i think is what she's good at she's good at being in rom-coms with really creative premises I have, i've seen a trailer but i haven't seen the movie for one where it's her and she's playing a set of twins and one of the twins dies so it's like the more interesting one okay and she like takes the interesting one. Oh, this one called The Pretty One? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, we're looking, We're just looking at her filmography right now. <laughs> this is what we do on this my podcast. My super sleuthing is we... game, like... <laughs> But I, yeah, so my, my opinions might be biased because I'm just sort of like, I want to see her break out of the rom-com lead girl role. Mm-hmm. And I think she's good at getting roles that aren't just rom-com lead female, but mm-hmm. I still want to see her do something And I will say... More. I appreciated the rejection of the, hey, the grand romantic gesture isn't always going to work. Oh, yeah. And the guy, I, I appreciated that, but the way that Zoe Kazan kind of played it did feel kind of forced in a way. Like, like refusing to even recognize that Kumail might have contributed to, and, 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 you know, I get it, you've just been through a big trauma, you don't want to deal with an emotional trauma right after a literal physical Right, like trauma. if she had been like, oh yeah, I totally believe you, yeah, let's get together now, that also would have been weird. Yeah. Like, it would have to be like, I need to think about this. I mean, it's, it's hard to play that balance there. Of course, if you consider it within the context of Kumail and Emily's actual story, they were like, they had already been in the relationship for a long time oh, when the coma happened. Say, uh, so. had she? I thought, I thought it was like relatively early. I don't remember exactly. I But I think I remember them like pretty much agreeing to get married pretty soon after the coma happened because they were like hey we really do love each other mm, yeah. yeah that's real nice mm-hmm. it, it is real nice and Kumail Kumail is one of those guys who I don't know he can get very annoying on Twitter but <laughs> <laughs> who can't can't we all yeah miss hashtag look no one liked that tweet anyway so I guess I got what I deserve <laughs> but it's I don't know it's nice to see that they they like got nominated for best original screenplay for this, and then they um, now they're members of full fledged members of the Academy. So like they get to vote on future Oscars and everything. Oh my gosh, that's so important. Yeah. He's not some old white guy. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna have a gonna have a. Wait, ha- they have female members, really? Yeah, that, y- <laughs> believe it or not. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Cause how did they get into the academy? Uh, do they have to like show their powers? They just or? select them. They just select them, and I think the announcement came out a few weeks before we're recording this. Um, and Kumail like just was like, "Hey, fellow Academy member Emily V. Gordon, how are you doing today?" Oh. <laughs> That's really cute. Oh, yeah. Their relationship is really cute. I appreciated 
hey, this is real life Kumail drops in there too. Like all the them playing the X Files theme for his uh, his his oh, ringtone. Wait, yeah. wait. So if you're in the academy and you have a movie up, like. You can't vote for it, right? Like, you can you? Are you just like out that year, or like, can you vote for it? You're like, yeah, I made this movie, like I'm gonna vote for it. There's so many members. I think you're allowed to vote for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think there's like nineteen thousand, twenty-one thousand. Whoa. I don't know about this. Is it like the Grammys, where like if you win, do you automatically become a member or not? Nah? I listened to the Adam Ruins Everything podcast <laughs> about. Uh- about how the Academy works and, like, Netflix trying to get into, like, the Oscar game and, like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would recommend it if you want to know more about how that all works. Yes, we actually talk about the Oscars a lot because I own a lot of movies that were up oh, for Oscars. Oh, we went Oscar crazy last year. Or this year. Oh, yeah, um, we saw all the all the movies that were up for Best Picture in 2017. Mm-hmm. There were so many good ones. Oh, and yeah, we have. absolutely. There were so many good ones. Like, like we... The top three, basically. We own Ladybird, Shape of Water, Get Out. Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. We own... And, like, depending on which week you ask me, I, those are, like, interchangeably my favorite movie of 2017. We all know what my favorite movie... <laughs> oh, my well, God, no! No! And I think Can it should have been... Maybe I we should it review sh- it in the next episode. I think it should have been up no, for I Oscars. I want to know now. I, no. I think it should have been up for Oscars. No, leave I think it out. Is, should- it, is it something, like... You're, you're leading me to think that it's something, like, you think is really dumb. <laughs> Just the way you're talking about it. She, she thinks, me well. She thinks it's dumb that I liked it this much. Okay, okay. You liked it when we first Actually, saw it. Yeah, it's a good movie, but... Uh, listen... It's no Call Me By Your Name or Shape of Water. Listen, it should have been up for Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Supporting Actor for two of the cast members. Oh, do we want to give hints? Which, um... It's Logan... Hey. It's Logan <laughs> Lucky. Not not Logan. Not Logan. I know I know how you feel about Logan, which is that it's not a I good... I do not like the movie Logan. But, the movie Logan was dumb. And <laughs> anyone listening to this can come fight me. Uh, but I loved Logan Lucky, which it, which was Steven Soderbergh's um, NASCAR. What chances that a movie, movie called Logan and Logan Lucky come out the same year? I mean... Weird, right? It is a little weird. Sorry, continue. <laughs> but um, it's uh, basically Channing Tatum and Adam Driver play two ex-convict... Bro- well, no, they're not ex-convicts. They're two... Um, brothers in a West Virginia town who are down on down on their luck basically and uh like uh, Adam Driver is a one-armed bartender okay you need to speed this up this is not about that movie. listen we're not going to talk about I'm not going to explain Logan Lucky stuff I'll give you the synopsis but yes it's it's very good it's the best movie of 2017 in my opinion oh my I think God. it should have won a lot of stuff but I no. understand why it didn't but it is absolutely my number one movie okay anyway what, what else about the big sick do we get oh <laughs> um, I think are we, did we cover it? What did you guys think about the end? Where he goes to New York and she's at the show and we replay the scene from... I thought, oh, I loved that. I love us. Like a, it's like Inside Lou and Davis when he ends up back at the um, bar. Back at the gaslight, yeah. yeah. I I thought it was a little trite, but I th- thought it was effective. I thought it, it made me go, ah, bleh. Like, you know, in that way that like, everything cute makes you go? I felt like it made the movie seem like really movie-ish. Yeah. That, I feel like that was the most Hollywood moment in the movie, probably. Mm-hmm. To be consistent, let me just do my fashion corner real quick. Your fashion corner. So I really liked all the traditional dress that they wore in the Pakistani family. Mm-hmm. Like that, I was living for that. I was like, yeah, this is what they do. Like, okay. from what I've seen on Facebook. Anyway. But I think you have a hospital-specific fashion corner right here, right? Oh 
my god, the lady on the ICU floor is wearing a skirt. You cannot wear a skirt on the, unless you're not going to treat any patients and you're just going to sit in the office all day or go to clinic. Even go to, like, it's too much. And then when her heart was beating at 106 when she was hooked up to the monitor. That's like she a fashion been, corner. She, she, well, she was working real hard. <laughs> otherwise, the characters stayed pretty muted. They all had their own, like, fashion sense, but it wasn't, nothing was loud or, like, no one really stood out. Like, mm-hmm. everyone was just kind of, like, normal life. Like, it was symbolic of normal life. Kumail dressed like a stand-up. Like, comedian, uh, like yeah. a stand-up. All the comedians oh, the dressed like them. Oh, my God. All the stand-ups have flannels. It's true. My favorite was the gray sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Emily was absolutely dressed like a grad student. That's yeah, just, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved the uh, the stripy shirt and the overalls when she goes out for the walk by herself. Mm-hmm. I was just like, fun, cute, practical. The yeah. f- the flower crowns also stood out a lot when they were doing the um the the recovery, recovery party scene. Yeah, the mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Why are they wearing that? Like, it's very like bright against. I guess it's like a healing moment or something like that. Oh, this is actually something that came out like last week, but apparently. The scene where um, Holly Hunter gets in the fight with, um, with oh, the frat boy with a frat boy that's based somewhat on a real incident where Holly Hunter got drunk and heckled a, and oh heckled my somebody. God. <laughs> yeah. These people could only be so lucky to witness that, right? Oh my Can you god! Imagine? Oh. I would help her fight that person. I really liked that scene. I thought that that showed a lot of like the closeness of the families. I mm-hmm. thought that that was a really good pivot point mm-hmm. in the movie. And I think it also showed the realities of working as a daisy comedian in America, too. So, yep. <laughs> oh, It was it was good. Okay. I mean, we're going to rate it now? We're done talking about it? Yeah, I think we're done talking about it. I think we got to move to the rating system. We rate on a uh, scale out of five, but uh, what the item is many, that it's out of. How many Alu Masters? <laughs> <laughs> That's only a joke that people are going to get if they how listen many, to a stand-up okay, album. Okay, well, anyway, real quick, what's... It's it's basically a monk a monkey that was at a birthday party and his name was Alo Master. Alo Master, means which means potato. Master of Potatoes. Potatoes. Sure. Yes. Right. How many monkeys would you rate? I would rate it probably four point five. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, I rate it high. You? Uh, I guess um like yeah like four four point two five yeah. Okay, getting getting more specific. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like my scale to be the potatoes the monkey has mastered. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think I think I'd give it either four and a half or four point seven five if I can divvy up my nice my potatoes in such a way. So basically, we average out into about a four point five. Yeah. 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 This is a good movie. It was a very good movie in a good class of two thousand seventeen movies. Honestly, it, it stood out in a year where there were a lot of good standout oh, things. Oh, absolutely! Like the amount yeah, of this movies year is not holding up so well. Ugh. What's What's been your favorite movie of two thousand eighteen so far? Incredibles oh, 2. What did we see? We've seen... Uh, I liked Incredibles 2 a lot. Incredibles 2 was what excellent. Would, what would my favorite have been? Uh, what was your favorite have been? Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think of what we've seen. I think right. you liked a... Black Panther, when it came out, was iconic. Oh, absolutely. I and thought then that was I the think... Wasn't that in November? No, no, no. Black Panther was in like February, February or really? March. Oh. Yeah. And then I think after that, Avengers was very powerful for me. And I did not like the other Avengers yeah, movies. Yeah, Bethany really. is not a Marvel fan. No. Well, but you're a you're if, a yeah. If Thor Ragnarok had come out in the beginning of 2018, that would have been my favorite one. But that's 2017 technically. I would say what yeah. Else? I mean, what else have we seen? We've seen Ready Player One. No. Um, yeah, I know. No. <laughs> Did y'all read the book? 
No, no. The book was really good. I liked the book. I've actually uh, heard that about the book, yeah. John messed it up for me because he read, like, a passage of it, and I was like, no. The Okay, I haven't read the whole book, and I'm sure in context this is better, but when he, like, first arrives at the club and R2-D2 is doing a DJ set See, that, in the that book, right it just, it, just it hurt much. me to read. I don't even remember that. Like, <laughs> that, that was just... Not Maybe you read a fanfic that. and not the actual book. <laughs> that seems like it might be the actual book, though. Oh, uh, I, I, I've, I've had it put in context for me, but no, I have a, a friend who that's like one of her favorite books, and I feel like, I feel like if I gave it another chance, I would enjoy it. Ready Player One was a fine movie. It was a fun Spielberg, romp, Spielberg romp. Um, what, what else have we no, seen this year? Let's wrap it up. What's your favorite movie of 2018 oh, yeah, yeah. so far? I don't know. Maybe maybe Incredibles, but that's also the most recent movie I've seen in theaters. And I saw it with Mitchell, my real good boyfriend, and we went to the theater in uh, Phipps Plaza with the like oh. reclining chairs, and it was just like a very good theater experience. Oh, with a very me, good movie. I'm changing my answer. Ocean's actually, eight. Ocean's Eight. <laughs> oh my god! No, that's that actually eight. like that's probably up there tied with Incredibles two for me. But mine's it, not related completely to the movie. <laughs> we saw okay. No, so, that's not that's not the story. Let's just. I'll, I'll give you my Ocean's Eight story if I get your Ocean's Eight story. <laughs> okay, so Dude, Bethany we saw. Talk about our friends. On, I, I won't use the name then. With me and one of our good friends. You can probably guess who Gisela. Um, this good friend and I both have had crushes on Anne Hathaway since Princess Diaries. I mean, same. Yeah. But yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but um, whenever Anne Hathaway was on screen, Bethany was in between us, and we were both you like, just... <sighs> and I just, I just kind of looked at them both like, what is going on? Like, except that my hand was usually on your thigh. I was like, <laughs> when they, when. Helena Bonham Carter puts the necklace on her and she's got her hair up and she's in that dress and it just... God, it destroyed me. But the other noise is... <laughs> just like a horse chuffing. <laughs> so, do you own any movies? Um, I have two DVDs with me at college. I My parents have a decent collection of movies. My two DVDs, I got both of them for like those stores that you buy discounted movies yeah. at. Uh, they were both a dollar ninety eight from different wow. movie stores. Oh man! I bought Little Miss Sunshine because my roommate and best friend—that's her favorite movie. She loves the soundtrack. I think it's Devotchka, if I'm saying that. Yeah, Devotchka. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're fun. It was. It was a real good movie. If you haven't seen it, I will lend it out. I have not actually. Ooh. You haven't? No, How have I never you not saw seen it. it. It's, it's Abigail I discovered... Breslin being yeah, like the so most good. Abigail. And there's like a like crisis it's in the Dan middle. So like, mm -hmm. uh, it's just. A stellar cast. It's really, really well done. Nice. And the other is the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh my god! Which I will also that, lend to you. That, for no, a I, obviously, I love that movie. Oh my god! Can we, we add that in as like a bonus movie? <laughs> we absolutely should. Oh. The, I think I think you'd have to do it as like a sleepover party and get everyone to wear like pajamas. So I think that's gonna about do it for us here at home viewing. Either of y'all want to say anything before we? Thanks for having me as a guest. I had a yeah. really fun time coming over, watching movies, playing with the dogs. Yeah, even if the dogs do try to eat you. Our guests are all going to get, like, mouthed by our dog, mm. Athena, a bunch. Well, there is one thing. Um, if you guys are listening to this on iTunes, don't forget to uh, leave us a rating there, even if it's, uh, I hate this because we don't have, like, any. So <laughs> no, we don't have any ratings or reviews on iTunes yet. Which but, means your opinions matter more. Yes, Yeah, so exactly. get in now. Get in there Tear early. Tear me apart. <laughs> I guess we could do our 
other. Okay, but yeah, make sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes and review. Spread the word if you want to. You know, we've got a Twitter at Home Viewing Pod. What were you trying to tell me? I was talking about the Pocket Podcast. I was like, Pocket. Oh, Our yeah. Network. Yeah, we're part of the Pocket Podcast Network, which has lots of great shows like Avocado Toast and Space Smart. Who does our theme music, babe? The Organ Machines. Yes. Ooh. Oil Waves by the Organs. The Organs Machine. The, the good, good boys. The Organ Machines is our intro and outro music. Um, they are playing shows all the time in Atlanta. You can get their music on Bandcamp. Make sure to check them out. There's a link in our description. And I think that's about it for us. Oh, next week. Not next week. Next episode, because this is a bi-weekly podcast. Next episode, we're going to be watching Birdman. Or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Right. Who named that one? That wait. Alejandro you... Gonzalez Iñárritu. We're gonna get into our first Mexican director on this podcast. Oh, that was a wow. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Because I love Mexican directors. Ugh. I love Mexicans. The three, three amigos of Mexican cinema: Guillermo del Toro, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, and Alfonso Cuarón. And we got movies from all of them in our library, and I'm very excited about that. So next next episode is Birdman. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. Oh, we all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your head. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.